Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And today I've got with me one half of the UK scriptwriters, one half of the uh, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, uh, Tim Clark. Hello, Tim. All right, Stuart, how are you, mate? I'm all right. Welcome back. I just want to say, Stuart, no, Stuart, before you go on, just because people will be thinking I'm only half of a guest. I just <laughs> want to say, you threw that out there and yeah. then uh, you didn't follow it up. So you, you, you're, you're right. I I am part of UK scriptwriters and I did co-direct uh, Who Killed Nelson that may, but I did it with Danny Stack, who people... Of course, yeah, no, know, we, we should mention the other half, shouldn't we, really? Oh, exactly. So uh, that's why I'm half. It's not that I'm half awake or something. <laughs> uh, I am, but um, uh, it's not about that. Yeah, it's about the fact that uh, uh, slightly unusually, I'm part of a writing duo. You are. Uh, so, yeah, we work together and we write together and we got business to, uh, uh, together. And uh, that works well, you know, for us as writers. So, but um, Dan is uh, off having some swanky meetings in London today. So he's, he's, he's left me with you, Stuart, but never mind. Well, I think we're both lucky for that. All right, yeah, I agree. But, but, but as, a, as a weird six degrees of separation in, in the podcast sphere, um, I was interviewing writer-director Nev Pierce last night for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Who who I do believe is speaking to Danny Stack this afternoon. Exactly. That's one of his one of his many meetings is with uh, Nev Pierce. Yeah, who used to um, edit Empire magazine and is mm. now director in his own right. Some great shorts that he's done. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so Danny's going to... Uh, talk to him I don't know what you spoke you guys spoke about but I think what we're interested in and uh, I'd have thought quite a lot of listeners are interested in is that idea of transitioning you know around the business because a lot of people feel once you're in a pigeonhole you're in that pigeonhole maybe if you're known as a writer of a certain genre it's hard to move out of that people don't want to accept your other work mm. and uh, in a way Nev's done the ultimate um, taking over the asylum trick you know of uh uh ju- you know journalist into doer which mm. we're pleased to see obviously but you know uh what's been the ups and downs of all that that's what that's what danny's going to speak have to you seen about. have you seen um nev's website where it says he's a recovering journalist he's, he's a writer director <laughs> recovering journalist <laughs> i didn't pick up on that but yeah i mean i think that's is he recovering i don't know I mean, I wonder if he'll lapse, but you know, <laughs> we, we wish him we wish him best with the but, support of his friends. I mean, there is there is there is obviously precedent for uh, this this poacher turned gamekeeper. Obviously, uh, Paul Schrader being a 
a prime example. And, and a lot of the French New uh, Wave was basically critics to filmmaker, wasn't it? That's a very good point. I'd forgotten about the New Wave, and um, Robert you're right. I think, is, uh, I think, yeah, yeah. I think it's more common in. Um, much more common, of course, in uh, novel writers. So I think um, someone like Paul Schrader, I think, you know, you, you, you move in through writing prose, you know, so you kind of start by writing articles and you move to writing, um, uh, you know, prose work, uh, dramatic, and then from that into screenplays. I've seen that happen more often but Nev's gone the full hog and just uh, jumped straight in it I think I don't know I don't I don't actually know what's he done in between so I'll be interested to listen to that in my, to your one and uh, and Danny's one you know myself yeah no it's 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 uh, it's it's because I'm I do it I'm not obviously editing Empire but I I have in I have in my journal I'm I'm also a recovering journalist and um I've I've reviewed a number of films and I do it every year for Frightfest still Mm. And I think when you've already gone over to the looking at the blank page, trying to create something from nothing, you begin to review films with a slightly more sympathetic tone than before mm. you looked at a blank page. I think it's safe to say. I I don't mind either. You know, I don't mind a critic who comes in that's never made anything. And I, and obviously I welcome the work of people like yourself as well. I think as long as um, the readers have an understanding of that type of personality, I think they can understand where you where you're coming from, um, uh, because there's something about a doer that um, also in you know whatever field that is a reviewer as well, that adds a lot of credibility to that review. You know, um, uh, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Scorsese's um, review of American cinema, um, which was like a three-part documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, yeah, you know, so things like that. And uh, Bob Dylan has a regular uh, radio show, <clears throat> you know, where he talks uh, through... Uh, the music that he's liking at the minute and so on. Obviously, those kind of things carry a lot of weight. You know, what, what, Bob, what Bob Dylan thinks about up-and-coming singer-songwriters is quite, you know, is, is more interesting than what I think about that. Does he, but does, he, does, he, does he say what he completely dislikes or is he, look, is he trying to tell you what he's found that he likes? Because I think... I, uh, I think I've not listened to enough of it. But I think people who are celebrating the good, as it were, and I was funny if I was talking to Nev about this at the podcast yesterday is that, I mean, I've met people who, who cover film and I've really enjoyed the fact that that there am like one of them is a guy called Anton Bedell who covers a lot of genre stuff. He covers mainstream stuff as well, but he, he kind of does the kind of John, almost like a John Peel approach where it's like if this mainstream has got covered by the media, then he'll always spend his time promoting a genre movie. Mm. Which I kind of yeah. like that idea because it's all about wanting people to enjoy film, not about a lot, not a lot. Some critics can get too obsessed with their own personality. And I think in this age of blogging where everything's I am, I do, you know, and, the, and on my way to yes. the cinema, I had a chance encounter with a, with a hoodlum and blah, blah, blah. blah. And you're thinking, that's not about a film, that's about you. <laughs> <laughs> but, totally different styles. I, 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 I think your John Peel analogy is really... Really good. I think that, um, you know, why write a negative review in another way? And I think it's come from 
both sides. So sometimes a film's rammed down your throat through advertising and someone needs to step up and say, actually, this is smoke and mirrors, people. You know, this uh, this film that um, you see the poster and it's got all these awards on and all this kind of stuff. Actually, I think it's quite generic and brings nothing new. Mm. Likewise, it's great when someone shines a light and says, uh, you might have heard of this. It's a first movie or a second movie from someone that's trying to do something interesting. Yes, the first 10 minutes are tricky to get into. Give it a go. Mm. I think both of those messages are equally. It's not about just being positive or just being uh, negative. It's about just talking about movies and stories, isn't and that, it? And, and, that's uh, a good, and that's a good segue, Tim. So let's, let's uh, when we right, spoke, yeah. we were We could talk-, talk about anything. That's the trouble, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good segue. Um, we've got, um, as well as coming to talk about your book, How to Write a Screenplay in 10 Weeks, We I thought it was worth shining a light on uh, your first feature film, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, which when we yes. spoke... Originally, you were on the brink, I think, of your London Film Festival premiere. So it's a while ago now. Yeah. Yes, so, that's right. So, a just be, just for the just for the benefit of me and maybe some listeners, how was premiering your film at London Film Festival? Well, I mean, that's a that's a funny question, isn't it? Because what's that? <laughs> I don't know what that really means. But my own personal uh, take on it was that it was. Uh, you know, hectic, you know, hectic because, um, you know, uh, it's part of the festival. Mm. So, you know, you, 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 that everyone that goes to our movie to maybe speak to us or do some pictures and so on, I've got to go to the next one in 10, ten minutes time. Okay. So it's kind of, very, it was very, very frantic and, uh, and, and nerve wracking for me personally, because um, I'd put together, the DCP, which is the file format that um, cinemas use to project yeah. from. So slightly different and more complicated version of putting together, you know, like a quick time movie or something. It's more in depth than that. Yeah. And so we'd, we'd not really been able to fully test that uh, all the way, all the way through. Seriously. So, uh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> see uh, your so, pants then, Tim. Um, and they'd, they'd, they'd apparently, you know, they'd, they'd tested it all the way through at the BFI yeah. um, as part of their quality check. But, of course, you're never sure if they've really done it or not, or whether they go, oh, sure, oh, yeah, they watch the first couple of minutes and think it's going to be all right. Anyway, it was all all right. And um, so we survived. So I was pleased about that. And um, it was just great to see it on the big screen. And you know what? It looked OK. I thought it looked good. And uh, I was pleased about that because, you know, we did just shoot it with some pretty, you know, uh, normal gear sort of equipment that, um, you know, you could afford. And, um, you know, but on the big screen, it looked good and sounded good because we had some good sound people working on it. And the, the music was fantastic. And just to hear that, you know, through the quality speakers and, and to see it with that quality projection, you know, I was like, yeah, this is really, you know, this is really good. And uh, that's all just my own stuff that I was looking at. But on the audience side, they really enjoyed it. The kids that were there were laughing and so on, which was all part of it. Um, 
So, yeah, it was great. I mean, just to sort of fill people in, they're wondering why there's loads of kids laughing at it. You know, it's called Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg? And it's like a live action movie for children, sort of six to ten year olds, we say. But, you know, you could go a bit either side. And, um, you know, we, we, we were trying to champion and we're still trying to champion that kind of forgotten genre that you don't see much these days uh, outside of uh, Pad- Paddington or other adaptations but of, you know, original, we want to do original live action stories for children, like in the old days, if you see what I mean, but with a modern take to it. And uh, that's what we're, the whole, our whole company is about, is doing more of those. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I was, uh, funny enough, I was in, in the pub after the podcast talking to, to Nev and I was, we were talking about your movie and it, and I was saying that, yeah, when I, when I was growing up, the, 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 the live action kids movie from like an original, uh, as an original thing, was just fairly normal at the cinema. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. I mean, I'm I'm of a certain vintage, so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you 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 you're right. I, I do you know what? I don't think those days are going to come back. I don't think we're not trying to say they are going to come back mm. because um, you know those uh, uh, films, children's film foundation films, and so on. They were all funded through a tax levy mm. um, on American imported films as a way to boost. The ED uh, levy, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, something. I think that's right. Every and, every, uh, every every ticket bought a pound went into a pot, and then for from a foreign yeah. Film, but it then... wasn't even a it, it wasn't even a pound. Those it was like I mean, even in today's money, it would have, like say to the out of today's ticket, it was like ten pence. I mean, it was really small. But of course, all of those add up. Mm. And and we're making children's movies, which you do quite cheap. You can get a lot. You can get a lot out of that uh, small budget. Mm. So because you don't need big stars necessarily um, because children don't know who anyone is anyway. So uh, you can, you know, you can you can make your budget go uh, a long way. Now, obviously, like I say, those days uh, are, are gone. I can't imagine anyone uh, putting that kind of levy back on. We won't debate whether they should or not now. But um, the, the obviously the new opportunities for distribution out there give us a new way forward in terms of uh streaming and that kind of thing um gives us a chance to reach our audience that audience again of kids that are looking for something exciting that's got people like themselves in it you know not drawn characters not animated characters people like not characters set in the past you know contemporary uh children like themselves on on you know in a new original uh, full length story. Anyway, that's that's our that's our ambition. That's what we're all about. And and so just to end on that one, then how how can people see who killed Nelson Nutmeg at the moment? Well, at the minute, it's um, obviously we did do a little we did do a little big screen tour. Mm. Uh, we finished that now, and um, so now you can get it on uh, Amazon on DVD. It was in Asda on DVD, which was very very exciting. Probably more exciting, funnily enough, than the London Film Festival for me. <laughs> Uh, no, because I've been to Asda, and uh, that's a place I normally hang out. And there was my movie there. Do you see what I mean? It was bringing it into real life. London oh, Film sure, Festival is sure. a surreal thing anyway. Anyway, um, so it's done that. But now you can still get the DVD, but get it from get it from Asda or HMV, uh, from Amazon, beg your pardon, or HMV. And uh, if you're more of a streaming person, you can go to uh, iTunes or the Sky Store, uh, or Amazon uh, uh, Play, you know, uh, or Google Play. So um, lots of options for people to to 
you know, watch it um, uh, online or on physical media if they choose to. And uh, at the minute, we're just talking about uh, broadcast sales to get it on the small screen. Um, uh, you know, we don't know quite what channel that's going to sign up for that yet, but we're in talks about when talks about that but in the meantime yeah it's kind of online cool well i'll put some links in the show notes for people to be able to find oh yeah themselves. yeah thanks nelson is the place to go to nelson it's got all the links there to all those sites so you're not hunting around for it right then so let's go back to the start of this process that got you the film yeah <laughs> is uh, is a blank piece yeah. of, a blank piece of paper and yes. uh, and and a dream <laughs> You and Danny have got your vision. You're gonna you're gonna write a screenplay, you're gonna direct a screenplay because you wanna you wanna fill this gap that you think exists in mm. in the film world, and because they're the films that you want to make, and you've got to write that screenplay. Now you've you've made you've created a book now. I'm guessing yes. based on based grown out of your how you to approach it called write a script in ten weeks. That's right. Um, and this reminds me a little bit of like the kind of <laughs> um, like seven minute ab workout, you know, and then there's a six minute ab workout. Is that mm. better or whatever? Mm. There's other people that have got like, you know, write a script in um, a week or write a script in six months or, you know, there's all these different there's coffee, um, coffee break screenwriter. All of these. Th yeah, exactly. And uh, uh so we're not trying to uh, shortcut anyone or say this is easy. Mm. Uh, we're, we're admitting it is, is, is hard. This isn't a book for people that want, um, a, you know, a, a lazy win or a quick win or like to buy the book so they don't have to go on the diet. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. like it, 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 we find the 10 weeks to be, pra you know, proper practical and realistic uh, and sensible duration to go from that sort of, blank page as you say up to a first draft and just the first draft we're not even talking about polishing it or redrafting it or getting feedback but to me and some other writers don't feel this but to me I think the first draft is the hardest one to get from that blank page up to something because when you've got something you can work on it mm. and the other reason we took 10 weeks is that quite often you're given two to three months if you're given um, a, a commission um on the back of the book we call it in hollywood but it tends to we're just using that as a shortcut yeah just generally in the industry if someone uh comes to someone like me and danny and says can you write us a, a you know a feature script that in terms of the schedule of when they're expecting stuff and when you'd get paid for those passing those milestones two to three months that sort of time is uh the first draft so we're, we're not making this up in terms of, oh, 10 weeks, that's catchy or anything like that. We're just we're saying, well, you know, if we were given that task, how do we break that down? Because mm. actually, you know, just saying, well, oh, come back in three months, two, three months, whatever, with a with a, a first draft is like daunting. So how can we break it down? So in the book, we break it down into 10 chapters, one for each week. And we just say, right, you know, here's what you should be probably thinking about in this week, in this week, in this week, if if you're to stay uh, on track. Having said that, we're not prescriptive. I know that sounds weird to say that with such a book, but we kind of give people a flex or options to say, well, maybe if you're doing this, you might want to go this way. Or if you're doing that, 
because uh, there's different types of writers. So some people want to dive straight in and other people want to do some planning. So, you know, we kind of talk around that and give some options around that. But in a way, we, at least we've got that framework for people to have a think about, to adapt to maybe what works for them or to try and then adapt or whatever they want to do. But it's something. And, uh, you know, being doing the UK Scriptwriters podcast, doing a lot of talks like we do out and about, mm. we, we, we know we meet a lot of first time writers or people moving from shorts into features. I was speaking to one, but just only last night at a networking event and they were daunted by the feature. You know, they'd written a lot of shorts and they were daunted by the feature, like thinking, oh, you know, it seems so big a task. They're a bit scared of it. Mm. And I think this book's for people like that, really. Just like, let's just take away that fear. It's not that it's not that hard. You know, change it around, do it over 20 weeks and like spend two weeks. You know, if you're kind of working, you know, you've got a full time job. It's all right. You know, it, it's just to give you something to kick you off and get you get you going. And it's not a it's not a big, thick book. It's a short, sharp book. So it's you're not going to spend all the time reading the book instead of doing the writing. It's like, right, what am I doing this week? You know, you've got four or five pages to read. That's it. Get on with it. No, I was going to say that's I mean, as, uh, I've I've um, I've gone through the book myself. I've not done I've not written the book because it's not 10 weeks. I've not written the script. It's not 10 no. weeks since you're giving me. But but looking at what you're what you're saying is it's it's a book that's saying here's some tasks that will get you up the mountain and the mountain being the the mm. uh, the screenplay you're not saying this is you're not actually saying this is how to write a screenplay which i think is interesting it's it might sound sort of like i'm i'm debating a semantic point here but i've read enough screenplay books now that try and tell you this is how you write a script and you almost feel like they're trying to put you in a box Whereas I think what what you've done is you've broke it down into ten ten bits, your ten weeks, but ostensibly you're you're basically throwing advice around those those stages of developing a script. You know, I mean, right down to at the very beginning, you're even saying you know the very basic advice of watch stuff that's like the film you want to make, which is yeah. kind of, which is which isn't like that isn't a revelation, shouldn't it to 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 some people but for some people they I've, I've met enough people that go oh i don't watch films i don't want to be influenced you're like going which novelist doesn't read novels uh, exactly no no it, 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 it exactly and in course you may choose to ignore that uh, uh, advice or whatever mm. but you're right yeah we're trying to we're not trying to say um it's not a book about script writing craft so much mm. it does include some um, and it includes some um, creative brainstorming ideas as well, but it's not just about that. It's more about the process mm. um, because we're not we're not tied to a particular uh, structure inherently. However, what I would say about this book um, is that it's really for those people that are writing more like genre films. So it's about people that are maybe they're not trying to redefine cinema or something like that or experimental movies or writing something um, Anglo-Saxon narrative. Anglo-Saxon narrative, I believe it's called. Okay, I'd go along. I'd go <laughs> go Which along with basically that. Basically, Hollywood is Anglo-Saxon narrative. You know, beginning, yeah. middle, end. There's a resolution, yes. a denouement, and at the beginning, you kind of have a character or characters who yes. are we've had at, at yes. fault or flawed. 
And exactly. Yes, exactly. And we, so, fix, and we fix them or punish them, one or the other. It's exactly. And we talk about three acts in mm. this book. You don't have to subscribe to the three act structure. I'm I'm not particularly, you know, a big defender of it or anything. But we're just using these shortcuts to just say to people, you know, it's week two, week three, you know, how far are you through the three acts, that kind of thing, just mm. because everyone understands it. Uh, if you're using a different structure, it doesn't matter. But we're just assuming that you're doing the beginning, middle, end kind of story. I was going to say, because I, mean, I know that there's kind of, you know, five, seven, three acts, modules, modes, whatever people decide to overlay on a screenplay. But ostensibly, yeah. and I remember seeing James Moran, which is how, en- how we ended up having this conversation. He'd done a, a lovely tweet promoting, promoting your book. Um, I saw him do a talk at Fright Fest. And, and he just, you know, whatever people talk about with the three act structure is stories in that, na- you know, narrative as we know it is have a beginning, there's a middle and there's an end. So by, yeah. by the very nature of those three words, that's a, that's a one act, that's a two act and that's a three act. You know, yeah, ex- ex- exactly. And of course, that's well, this is the this is the thing. It, it, it's funny how it's kind of I'm, the more I'm thinking about it and talking about it with you. It just sort of sort of solidifies what we're thinking about with this book is the fact that uh, you that's kind of seems so obvious, but isn't that useful if you see what i mean just to go right well i'm going to write the beginning middle and end oh so god like, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so you've got to break it so you've got to break it down more than that and uh, so what we've what we've sort of done with this book is look at the tasks rather than the output mm. so we've gone like right yeah we're going to work on the beginning middle and end and we're going to say a week five you should be halfway right just kind of kind of obvious things like that now mm. we don't have to subscribe to a dramatic midpoint necessarily mm. to um, to agree with the fact that we should be, you know, making our way through the script at this point. But if we do subscribe to the dramatic midpoint, then it probably should be happening about now. And it's just that kind of approach to it, which is just like, yeah, let's get let's get through it. We won't get bogged down with, uh, you know, which flavour of structure you particularly want to use or whatever. But at the same time, it's like when you're getting towards the the you know, week nine, mm. we say week nine, you should be working on the ending, right? Because week 10, you might want to revisit and think about a theme is what we say. So week nine, you should be working on the on the on the finale. And uh, I, again, we're not saying it has to be a certain structure, but we are saying. We are saying by about week nine, you should be doing the ending. Yeah. And I think I think that's all it is. It's just in, in, in a way, it's a bit like having a virtual um, manager or virtual, assi- you know, writing assistant just to give you a little kick. No, I, I, I was going to say, what, what, that's what we're doing. And one of my, fa- my favourite bits of advice you give, because you, 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 you conclude each, each section with three tips. Um, yeah, and one of my favourites is in is in your second one because it's the bit. It's one of the things that I get on my own nerves about when I'm trying to write stuff. Where you've got where you're talking about the outline, and you say it's fine to put chase goes here, big emotional scene here. I am an absolute bugger to myself for wanting to resolve that before I move on. And I know that if I just write big emotional scene here and move on, I'll get further into it and I'll find it while I'm looking for something else. Yeah. But for some yeah. reason, I will make myself go through some, you know, 
temporary self-loathing before I move on. So I think it's I, a re- you're not the only one, mate. You know, you're not you're not the only one, and I'm I'm like you. That's why I say that. Mm. And uh, so that's something that um, you know I struggle with. And the point of the uh, the point of the whole ten week thing of trying to get that professional framework, that professional time that you've given to do it, mm. is to start seeing the the job of writing features as a job, you know, mm. as a career. And it's a bit like that's what you're asked to do. Now, the thing is, if we were given a – if we were working in our – I'm talking now to people that are listening to this that are kind of got a part-time job or a full-time job and they're writing on the side. Now, if you're – you know, if your day job is, you know, about whatever, uh, let's pick something half, you know, kind of in, you're in marketing or something and you've yeah. got to come up with some ideas for some campaigns and so on, then you know there's going to be that deadline. And if you can't quite think of that or join the dots, you might just put something in for now and move on because you've got to get it done. Mm. But yet when you're doing the writing, you might be like, oh, I can't think of anything there. Or I'll just leave it or I'll come back to it. What we're trying to say is no, apply that professional mentality of like, no, no. We've got to move on. We've got to just put that for now. Let's mm. move on. Let's move on. We haven't got the time. We've got to get this done, you know, to this deadline. And trying to get writers thinking not in so much like uh, this is a hobby. This is a parochial thing where you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a scriptwriter in the UK. I just kind of like, you know, do it when I want in my own time and I just write what I want. And it's like, well, no. We're trying to say, no, let's be a bit more professional about this. Let's get people, you know, trained and used to writing uh, their features, you know, in the in the norm of those deadlines and those durations and get good at doing that uh, so that they've got that mindset and mentality of this being an actual job. And part of that is, of course, having to cope with how do you cope when you get stuck? You know, Mm. well. You know the sort of thing. Let's put that in and let's move on because, as you very rightly said, it will probably sort itself out later anyway. Mm. If it doesn't sort itself out later anyway, then you're no worse off because you still say, you know, say it takes, you know, just takes three hours of thinking about something to find that solution. Well, it's going to take the same three hours whenever you do it. Right now, let's not spend those three hours. Let's just move forward because we might find a shortcut. That means it takes us 10, 10 minutes. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's just that energy of moving forward. You know, the blank page is so scary, I think, to a lot of writers. And it's just like, well, let's not get it. Let's get it unblank. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, can, it's very right. No, it's very right. And, and I think, I think, I mean, again, a, a trap that I fall into myself is that is is the idea that if I'm not doing something that that feels like a lot of writing, i.e., your, your first your first step in the process, which is this notion of the log line, which can be an absolute pleasure when you hit gold, but an absolute pain in the ass because arguably, like you point out in your book, is that maybe you haven't got the story sorted in your head yet. So progressing forward without knowing what yeah. the story is, isn't necessarily a wise move. You may as well bash around 50 words until it yes. feels like it's got some grip on you than, than you are moving on with a kind of limp sentence yeah. that yeah, just yeah. just falls away like wet tissue paper when you when you get to the midpoint of it. And you're five weeks in, you're going, mm, if i just spent maybe more of that week on the log line, yes. I'd be on shore I, I, ground now. I think so. It's about what's it really about, isn't it? Because mm. 
um, uh, when we were when we were um, uh, thinking about our own movies and uh, doing that, you know, we really went round and round. So, and it, it, quite often we'd discover because there's two of us, of course, that we're kind of thinking about two different uh, stories. Um, that uh, Danny's writing one thing and I'm writing another, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, in yeah. our minds, we haven't mm. actually started, you know. But just and uh, you know, and it's like, right, actually, let's go back to this. What is it? What's it really uh, about? Let's get those fundamentals uh, right. Not sometimes, not really about the plot, but what's the, you know, what is this actually about as a story? You know, all right, it's got these clever devices in it, but they're just devices. What's it actually, uh, you know, the more deeper level about? And just thinking about that, I do find myself having someone to talk to about that, as in working with Danny, uh, does help. And uh, I think more writers would benefit from uh, writers societies and writers groups where or just a regular meet down the pub, which is something that we do down this way, um, just to be like, go along and have a chat or what you're working on. Oh, I've got this thing I'm thinking about at the minute. You know, nothing formal. But the problem with write, writing is you can get a bit inside your own head sometimes or get sometimes the answers right in front of you. But only by articulating it to other writers does it unlock itself. Do you know what I mean? It's no, like, totally. No, I've, I've, I mean, I could give it, and I was, I did exactly this with, with a, with a script a year or so ago where I couldn't work something out and I was, you know, being a hostage to my own fortune. And I was, it was, it was somebody I'd, I'd spoken to a, a network you do or whatever. And we were just, once the conversation relaxes and you just talk at normal and, and he just, as he's listening to me talk about it, he goes, oh, what do you mean, like Wicker Man in the Favelas? And I'm like, fucking hell, you've got it. That's what it is. <laughs> and I ne- it never crossed my mind. <laughs> and it was just through me wobbling on. Yeah, exactly. And he exactly, no, exactly, exactly. No one's as clever as, you know, no single person is as clever as the sort of the shared wisdom, if you see what I mean. But especially with other writers that are thinking along the same lines of finding those shortcuts for you of what things are really uh, about, you know, those shortcuts. I'm not talking about the cheesy, like Jaws meets whatever, yeah. but just kind of just talking around those uh, inspirations, just talking around those stories and the characters. It doesn't half, it doesn't half help. And uh, I do see a lot of writers struggling, you know, uh, on their, on their own, you know, and you've got to do the work on your own a lot of the time, uh, even myself and Danny, you know, we're, we we don't write very often together, as in sitting in the same room with final draft. Are you not Wilder and Diamond walking around? So we walk on the back of you while one types. <laughs> Does, we don't do that. Well, I think we're. I always think about we're more like the, the two guys in. Um, uh, maybe a bit of obscure reference, the two guys in the Hudsucker Proxy that are trying to come up with a name for the hula hoop and they're just <laughs> spouting up. It's just me and him spouting off a load of stupid ideas, you know, in a room a lot of the time. And then we have to go away and do the hard work. That's just, that's the well, shame think, that there's but, no, but no talk, shortcut for that. But, but you're bringing up the idea of talking about it, I think is, is, is that I think people who, who are maybe new to it and, 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 are, and are sort of feeling their way into sort of writing features things is that, is not to be fearful that if you start talking about it, someone's going to run away with your idea and you'll be left standing. Because as we know, and as your book proves, 
um, there's a lot of work goes into a screenplay. So someone robbing your idea, they've got a lot of work to do, and it won't be the same thing even if they did steal some essence. And you've already mentioned that you and Danny can be talking, and you'll be talking about two different... You'll be talking about the same thing you're trying to do, but actually talking about two different stories, even though you started yeah. at the same point. And I think that you've got to accept that you've got to be open about it, to, I think, and not worry about what other people might do, because you're still going to write the story you intended to write, because that's what you're trying to work out. Yeah, I don't think, um, uh, I mean, I think if you've got a good group of writers, um, it, you know, it, it, experienced, if you see what I mean, in terms of they don't have to be big names, but, you know, people that you know are interested and seriously interested in it. I think you should never be scared of sharing your ideas with that type of group of people and just talking uh, uh, about it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Some people have a fear that uh, someone's going to pinch some ideas if they if they talk about it but i think if you've got those you know good good group of um you know decent uh writers that are up for it you know um there's no chance of that and uh the, the danger the da the greater danger is in keeping it too close to yourself and it becoming maybe not as great as it could be uh or indeed that you you know you work on it for quite a long time and then when you do share it with someone else, they start picking these fundamental flaws in it that you wish that you'd thought about or had heard, uh, you know, months and months before that, when it would have been easier to implement those great ideas. Uh, that Yeah, the greatest danger of all for a medium, a screenplay, a film, TV, whatever, medium is about sharing it to a large number of people. So working on your own is a weird way to start such a work you know a work that's about sharing no totally and 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 and, and the, the level of collaboration you're going to get once you start working if you get lucky enough to to see something get developed is you're going to have stakeholders giving you their two pennies worth yeah and you might like exactly. some of it you might not like some of it so you you are better off ironing out some of the fundamentals in the yeah. kind of fun bit where you've got control than somebody sort of tearing it apart because you yeah. haven't considered it. I, I, I was it, going, going, leaping all the way forward. It's also interesting that, that, that you, you bookend your book with, with theme. So you kind of, you get us, mm. you get us to the, we've written it. We've, we've, we've found a strong story. We've expanded it into an outline. We've, we've written, we've got the inciting incident. We've got the end of act one. We've got to the midpoint. We've written it out to the end. We've got to the end. The hero wins the day. And then you go, okay, what is this about? And I think that's a... <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, we thought... You, we thought you, about bast you bastard, Tim. <laughs> yeah, no, we thought about having it up front, obviously, yeah. or like week two or something. But bearing in mind, we've already talked about like getting your, your head around the idea, you know, mm. at the start. It seemed like, oh, this is too reflective up front and almost will is undoing what we're trying to do with this book which is inject energy into the writing process of let's get on with it yeah so uh yeah we thought we put theme at the end because at that point if you actually think about it it's the end end of our book but it's really not the end of the script because we've only got to the end of draft one so in a way it's how do we get ourselves ready for to write draft two mm. and we thought well they're sort of like you know reflecting on the theme what it's really about before we start draft two mm. um is the best way to do it as a bridge 
because you know so many writers and uh have told us you know that they didn't really know what the film was actually about until they'd written the first draft and again that can seem like a silly thing or well that's bonkers but bearing in mind that you know we're talking about doing it in this 10 week stages then you know actually from week one so eight in in eight weeks time to to get to the theme actually isn't all that long so yeah it's it's just it's just a different way of thinking about it again to stop that prevarication of like oh i'm still doodling around it's like well why don't you write the thing and then discover i mean i'll give you a, a bonkers um thing that uh Danny used to do. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if he still does it. I don't think he does. Mm. But he found it really useful because uh, he's a fast um, typer. Uh, when he was working on a short on his uh, short films and that kind of thing back in the day, uh, he would sometimes just write it all out again, just type it all out again uh, between drafts, just to uh, so he was thinking about those words again. Uh, and he would quite, you know, and then making the changes. It's not just typing it out for the sake of it, but you know, uh, rather than adapting it and reading it, he would type it all again okay. and make his changes as he was doing it in a kind of an old school Hollywood way, maybe. Um, it's just any of those tricks that work for people, they should do it. It's just whatever gets you to think about those words again, the themes again, what's it really about, and move forward with it. Uh, anyway, well, that's it. We're just trying to inject people with that screenwriting energy. No, no, and I, I, I think I think it's I think it's a great way of looking at it because if you if you if you get when you watch a, a, a finished movie and you get to so oh, God that that film was I know it was about a murder but actually that was really about a father's love of his daughter as yeah, a, yeah. you know and how how it can never you know it never be broken or whatever <clears throat> you couldn't necessarily if you try to write a theme you'll end up wrapping yourself in in all kinds of knots and problems that won't get anywhere i feel that in my experience whereas if you discover you could if you go and tell a story and discover your theme after trying to tell a story i think that's much more energetic to go forward with because it's something to build on because you've, you've found it while while creating as opposed to try to build around it uh, and but also you know again not being too prescriptive maybe you've written to a theme uh so you've had a theme before mm. you start and um, you might want to tweak that and or you might have written to the theme and really have liked it, in which case let's crack on. You know, there's no it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like there's not one way of doing it. But the thing is, you've got to still check and have a reflection upon it, mm. a careful reflection upon it and just think, have I just gone with that because it was easy um, or, or do I need to change it? Or in fact, like, actually, I, I feel I've strengthened this uh, theme and I want to go through in my next draft and put more thoughts about that theme in. Do you, do you know what I mean? That's good no, as well. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, no, have no. to be that you don't have a theme. We're saying, like, it's just let's reflect on it at the end or find one at the end. Um, again, we're not saying that there's this one way of doing it, but what we are saying is that there's certain things that you probably should be doing, uh, whatever method or whichever way round that you do it, but don't forget things. I suppose that's what we're trying to say. Don't forget that at some point you should be thinking about this theme, which is we think the time to do that is at the end rather than up front 
when it could be a barrier to getting started. Indeed. Well, look, the UK scriptwriter's survival handbook write a script in 10 weeks by Tim Clagg and Danny Stack is out now, I guess. It is out now. So how, do, pe- now, so how, do, pe- how do people get it? Uh, they can get it from Amazon. Just mm-hmm. uh, type uh, just type that in. Uh, our previous book, UK Scriptwriter's Survival Handbook, is still on Amazon as well, which is mm-hmm. more about the business of writing mm-hmm. um, and how to be a writer in the modern world and how to give up your day job and become a writer. That's still around as well. If you people want easy links or to find out more about us, they we've got a, a website, real sort of simple, basic website, no no sort of guffs on there. It's just called ukscriptwriters.com, okay. and it's just got links to the books, uh, to Nelson Nutmeg, the film, uh, and to our own podcast. So pretty, you know, stripped down site, just what, just the good stuff. I'll put that um, in the show notes. Yeah, ukscriptwriters.com, very easy to remember. And, um, yeah, pick it up or have a listen to our own uh, podcasts and interviews on there with, uh, with, with writers. Indeed. Well, look, thank you very much for your time coming on the Blitfix podcast to talk about that. No, enjoyed it, mate, as ever. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.